And welcome back to season four of Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture in the official podcast show of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and uh, with me in studio is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. Yeah. And still working from the home studio so we can actually get this streaming thing going and working with the technologies is Janelle Wheeler. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. All right, guys. So now we are all on the other side. It has been a week since the release of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. So it is time to look back on the entirety of phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and tell you how do we see things. So in an effort to save time, we're not going to rank every project because there's been more Marvel TV and movies than we could throw a stick at in phase four. (laughs) So we had everybody pick their top five, and we are going to get into that. But first, we have some news to get through, which I didn't expect. I thought this was going to be another relatively easily show, but Sony and uh, Amazon had other ideas. They wanted to help Ticketmaster out and take some heat off of Ticketmaster. (laughs) Uh, And so, and all those Swifty fans. So Sony and Amazon made a big announcement yesterday that we are getting a live action Spider-Man TV Universe. Oh, wow. And it's going to be kicking off with a show called Silk yeah, Spider Silk. Society. And uh, I know Matt's really happy because uh, if you've ever stick around for our comic book portion of the show where we review comic books, Matt is uh, you know, a Spider-Man, Spider-Verse fan. He loves uh, the different characters of the Spider-Verse in the comics, um, the different spider totems, if you will. You so, mock the totems. I do. I, <laughs> I, I think this totems. whole storyline about spider totems spider is ridiculous. Totems. Um, if you haven't read, just for background, <laughs> in Spider-Man comics, there was this larger idea opened up in the 2010s that Spider-Man is one of many spider totems, which are these beings with spider powers throughout the multiverse. That's amazing. And that there was this larger threat, this villain called Morlin, who was tracking them all down and trying to kill them and you know, Peter Parker defeated him, making him the spiderist of Spider-Men. And one of the offshoots of this storyline was about a Korean-American girl named Cindy Moon who was retconned into the origin of Spider-Man. She was a kid who was on the same field trip as Peter Parker and got bitten by the same spider after him. But because of this Spider-Verse threat, she was hidden away and trained with these other people. And she came out after this master villain was defeated and became this hero, Silk. So that's all to say from the title of the show, it sounds like (laughs) Amazon and Sony are partnering up to do. And and they said this in the press release. They are making a they called it a suite of TV series, but that's a batch of TV series all based on Spider-Man universe characters. And it sounds like they are getting into this official kind of comic book version of the Spider-Verse with the mythology. Yeah. So there are a lot of interesting questions wrapped up might, in all Maybe this. that means we get Ezekiel. Yeah, we might be getting Ezekiel. Yeah. We might be getting Marlon. Mm-hmm. One equivalent. step away from Cardiac. Oh, stop <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, yes, boy. Matt. So this is all interesting. So first yes. of all, behind the scenes is interesting because Sony is the only studio with no streaming platform of its own in the streaming war. So we've all been kind of like wondering, well, if they're building a Spider-Man universe, Like, how are they going to do that distribution-wise? Yeah. The answer is they're partnering with Amazon for this kind of unique deal where Amazon will kind of help distribute these Spider-Man 
TV series through MGM Plus, which is currently the, the kind of premium station you know, cable station you know as Epics or digital add-on oh, Epics. Yeah. Okay. So in 2023, Epics is going to rebrand because Epics is owned by MGM Studios, which got bought by Amazon in the last year. So in order to kind of solidify its brand, MGM and Amazon are relaunching Epics as MGM Plus because everything's just got to yeah, no, seriously. with a plus now, right? <laughs> So we're getting MGM Plus next year. And what the plan is, and I had to kind of break this all down because it made my head hurt trying to figure it out while we were writing this up. But it sounds like the Spider-Man series will first air on Epics or MGM Plus as, you know, TV shows. And then they will go to Prime Video for global streaming because they'll air in the U.S. on MGM Plus and then those episodes will go to Prime Video for global distribution. So I don't know what the turnaround on time is. I don't know if they like air on MGM Plus first and then like the next day they're on Prime Video or if it's a whole season. I don't know what their plan is. I know they're trying to use it to get people to the, the channel right? and then to streaming. So that's the plan. So this is a partnership. So Sony will be using Amazon to kind of distribute these shows. So the first one is, of course, like I said, Silk Spider Society. And they've already given us the premise, which is this is going to start after Cindy Moon comes out of this, you know, time she's been away, yeah. locked away, training with other spider warriors under. Hopefully they, they make some changes. Tweaks. Yes. Yeah. Because like the original origin, like you look now, like how things proceeded and like why she was kept and all that. So that's. It's not. It's not. It's a not good streamlined. Look. It's yeah. not a good look. Also, just like it, it hasn't aged well. So I do hope that they kind of take some of that and tweak it, and modernize it a little yeah. bit. But I am very excited for the concept, the overall concept. Yeah. I mean, out. I hope they do it and just make it simple. Like, hey, these people were hidden away and trained because instead of it being trained and then like this weird thing where the threats over and they were just yeah. hidden away for nothing. Yeah. I, I hope it's they were hidden away in their training for this, for this specific, specific threat. Right. That makes way more and sense. And it makes, yeah, and it's a buildup we can then build up from. Yeah, I agree. The other interesting question in all this is how this fits with the movies because getting this kind of sparked my brain. It was like, huh, they did very careful stuff with the language of it, but it, it is interesting that this is coming on, this is being produced and it will be produced on the heels of the current Madam Web movie. Yeah. which is already shooting. So Madam Web will be in the can and out before this comes. And that's interesting to me because I feel like the two could be more tied together right. than we know where that's Madam Web yeah, is the one where we get this larger overarching threat of the spider and, and the mythology of the spider totems, the different realities, you know, this person, this threat coming and killing off spider people and having to ensure first that Terminator style that Peter Parker yeah. gets born in order to make sure he can grow up to become Spider-Man to battle this threat he's destined to face. When you say that out loud, come on, that doesn't sound awesome. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And we know nothing for sure about Madam Web, except there's a bunch of awesome actresses and, and some pretty good actors. I don't know in what it. the hell to make of that movie. Right. Like it's so Yeah, we know yeah. Emma Roberts is in it, Adam Scott's in it, we know uh Sydney Sweeney's in it, and some yeah, Isabella, I forget her last name, I don't want to butcher her last name, but a bunch of other actors yeah. who are up and comers are all in it, and we know rumors of who they're playing, right? right? That you know Adam Scott will be Uncle Ben at a young age, 
Emma Roberts is his sister, Mae Parker, who's pregnant with Peter. Sydney Sweeney might be Julia Carpenter. We just know Dakota Johnson is Madam Web. Yeah, that's that's the only thing we know. That's the only thing we know. But I think they're tied together. I think Madam Web will set up the threat for this larger Sony universe, which is something Sony really needs, right? Because if we're going by Morbius tactics, it ain't looking good about trying to set up a larger universe, which Morbius... I mean, here's the thing. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, just just put stuff that's in your trailer in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. It's not, <laughs> like, that's not hard. Like, it's just, yeah, man. You're going to connect everything, like, connect it. I was just like, psych! That's, that's what Morbius did. I was like, psych! Mm-hmm. Um. Some people are asking in the comments. Yeah, we don't know that they're connected for sure. Um, Damon Streams is asking one of our regular people. Um, we don't know that they're connected. I'm just wondering if this is all part of like one universe. And I see where there could be easy connective tissue, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if Madam Web ends with them ensuring Peter's birth, but saying, okay, but the threat's still out there. And like, we need more people to fight it. And then you start to get this larger idea of there are other people out there. So I'm curious, because um, I know we've read, we've read like one or two. Spider-Verse adjacent mm-hmm. read like Edge of Spider-Verse. Like Janelle, do you yeah, I was gonna ask how the same question. Good? Yeah, how do you approach all this? Are you excited for this? Do I'm you- very excited for different Spider-Man content because I haven't, as you guys have known, the teen like drama stuff in live action lately, I've just not really been into. So yeah. I'm really excited about anything to just kind of like explore anything spider-man further for for me and for any casual viewer like i think it's so cool because i it sounds i don't know i don't feel like you would have to have read the comics to to get into this well that's my question to you was going to be my question does this all sound like gobbledygook to you when we start saying like all of these some of it yes like truth be told some of it some of it i'm like okay they're doing their thing and i love you guys for that because i love watching you guys geek out but it still is very um, alluring. Like it's exciting. And I don't know, just like you guys getting excited brings like excitement for me too. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a good time to highlight. Yeah. Janelle is our control here. We, we (laughs) comic books to uh, do the show so we could always see what happens when you try to bring somebody who's not already deep into this, like into some of this nutsness. So yeah. About the cable effect. Does it sound like I go off the rails? All the time. You're not, <laughs> you've met, agenda. <laughs> 15 minutes into the show and you've already Are been saying that once. saying that this gets me one step closer to a solo movie. No. Uh, and, not, and he's not talking about the solo movie, a Star Wars <laughs> fans one. He's talking about the actual stupid Marvel character solo. Who is a generic mercenary <laughs> yeah, who might stupid. as well be any other he's solo. Totally but um <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, but I think Madam Web is something you can easily ground if you just say it's a back to the future, right? Like, we got to make sure that photo of Peter Parker's family doesn't fade. There you go. People can understand that. So, a good back to the future time travel thing is is never hard to explain. But um, we'll see. But it's just very interesting that this is how they're going to do things and that we're getting an entire Spider-Man TV universe. Yeah, that's cool. Hopefully, this is a thing that actually does happen. So, you know. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, any last lingering thoughts about this before we move on? Just excitement, man. I just love all the content. Like, we're getting so much content, and it's awesome. God, I just, I know it's been a while, but, like, 2020 was so rough. And, like, it's just nice. It's really good yeah. to see all of it. Sony's trying to get that universe money however they can. Don't ask how Tom Holland's Spider-Man fits into this. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. No. 
Just does. Just does. He's, He's Nathan Drake. <laughs> also fits into all the Spider-Man stuff. Spider-Man. Oh, people said Spider-Man Noir over on YouTube. Yes, yeah. Blue Cat Gen, we'd be down with Spider-Man Noir in a, in a heartbeat. Black and white, just, you know, that Werewolf by Night style, like hardcore a little bit. Yeah, I, I'd be down with that. I want Pulpy. I, I, I want, want like yeah. I get, want, bah, 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 bah. Like I want all the and like, I want the Nick Cage voiceover still. Like yeah. <laughs> no matter who plays him, I still want a voiceover by Nick Cage. All right. All right. So moving right along, let's get to our main event. Guys, it's time to look back, and it is time to rank MCU phase four. So we had a lot in this phase, what I call the PTSD saga of uh of Marvel, where you know. Marvel had all the characters had to recover from a bunch of stuff in Endgame, and we all had to recover from real life, and Marvel Studios did too. And we all did it together, and it was sloppy, and it was messy. (laughs) Ugly parts, there were some really great parts and some really sad parts. But now it's time to look back and rank the greatest of them all in Phase 4. But uh, before we do that, Janelle Wheeler, you went out and uh, saw Black Panther. You had this last week. So let's give you a quick micro review. How did you feel? Oh gosh. Okay. The, um, I will say that it is it is not on my list, but it is just because everything was so good. I still like adored this film. Um, it it was extremely hard to watch for me personally. Like I was very emotionally charged the entire time. I was glad I went by myself <laughs> because I truly was like crying. Maybe even in places that. Most people wouldn't cry in. I still was. Um, And I just think that, like, it kind of brings it full circle, like, the entire journey. Obviously, I still don't want to spoil because I think it's really important that people get to go and see this. And, like, if you haven't, you have to see this in the theater. Like, it's just beautiful, extravagant. It's it's just awesome. And it takes your breath away in part. So, um, I just think there was a lot going on. So that's like my only criticism. There was like so, so, so much that it was almost like, it, it just felt like heightened emotion the whole time. Um, but I, but I loved it. Yes. I loved Namor or Namor. I don't know how we're supposed to say this. I'm still confused. I'm totally um, saying Namor now. Cause I just love how it sounds. <laughs> Namor more than Namor. 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 Okay. Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. Namor. I loved, loved, loved him. Uh, and yeah, this is, I, I loved this movie. It was, um, it was intense though, emotionally. <laughs> like that's all I can think of is how emotional I was watching it. All right. That is Janelle Wheeler's micro review of Black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, in the comments, we are getting, uh, Damon Stream says an MCU namer is greater than comic book namer. I agree. Correct. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Sorry, not come even, at us. Not even close. Yeah, not two, even close. There are two characters that have like completely surpassed their comic counterparts. I will a- absolutely put Namor in there and mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch. Yeah, oh, two, yeah. Those two, those two actors yeah. have brought so much to those characters. They are light yeah. years better. Looking at you, all those comic creators. Just saying. I don't think I'm lying. All right, you better talk to the actors. All right. Anyway, let's get to a more positive note. All right, so we're doing our MCU Phase Four rankings. We are just, to keep this positive, we are only doing top fives. So these are all winners. We're not going to get into the negatives and be like, oh, well, this project stunk, uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> me right now, it's a little close up. But uh, yeah, we don't need to uh, do all that. So we're keeping it positive. 
So, all right, let's say thank you to Rich in the control room and uh, Peter who put together this graphic for us and all our excellent graphics that you see in the background. Let's kick it off. Here are Comic Book Nation's MCU Phase 4 Top 5 Rankings. We made that so smooth. At number five, and we're going to reveal these each place for all of us at once, and then we'll let everybody explain their pick. So let's go ahead and reveal the number five picks, please. Drum roll, please. Yeah, we have no idea. Oh, look at it. Oh, look at man. that fancy graphic. All right. <laughs> so we have not seen these. We have no idea what we eat, like who picked what. So we are finding out in real time they're here. All different. And they're all different. All right. So at number That's five. Good. Go around. Um, my number five is She-Hulk for people listening. My number five is She-Hulk. Wow. Matt's number five is Loki. And Janelle's number five is Moon Knight. So for me, okay. I picked She-Hulk as number five. Um, all my rankings were based on kind of categories of what was delivered and how important it was. And that's what kind of helped me separate projects out and maybe left some other projects off the list that I liked, but I didn't think were as significant as others for certain reasons. So she-Hawk is my number five because I feel like this show was the most fun Marvel TV show we've had and the first one to really make me believe in the idea of MCU doing regular TV shows, not just like event series that launch new costumes and stuff or make a little tweak to a character mm -hmm. storyline, but actually weekly TV viewing. It was the Marvel sitcom it was fun week to week. It kept us talking and making theories and just enjoying jokes. And it also deftly moved pieces, so many pieces of the MCU around without being heavy handed or crazy about it. And it's fourth wall breaking meta, winking things, even making fun of Disney for cutting the budget, the Kevin Feige machine, all of that. It was just really good, fun writing and a very, the most fun, I, I think. In, in the PTSD saga, this was the most fun project and it was for me and it was the most, and it was needed. So She-Hulk's my number five. Matt, tell us why you picked Loki. Uh, so I had to fight on this list because I actually had, if you go to the initial draft I had of this list, it was actually a lot different. But I, I had to catch like recency bias on me because I was like, man, it's been a minute since I've seen some of the earlier ones. And like, you don't think about it, but phase four is actually pretty, there's been a lot in, in phase four. Uh, and I remember just there was this feeling I had with Loki. I was I was glued to every week of those episodes. And it was just they did so much for a character that I did not care about. It's kind of like Obi-Wan. I when that show first announced, I was like, I'm good on Loki. I don't need another Loki spotlight. I'm good. Rude. <laughs> I was like, I was that. Okay. So I'm coming in to have a whole show about this dude and for me to care about him so much by the end. And then that last episode, I know it's divisive, but that finale just ruled and the Jonathan Majors back and forth. I mean, that was just one big talkie that whole episode. And I ate that up with a spoon. You know, Sylvie, there was just so much to that show that I just enjoyed. So I had to catch myself and be like, I think if I'm honest, I think this has to be my number five. So I, it was great. I, I, it's one I will go back and rewatch, and I am excited for the second season. I wanted there to be a second season. So that's looking for me. Jay. I'm so proud of you for, like, having it in your top five. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know if it was going to make the cut, right. Matt. That's awesome that we swap. Like, we had those in our swap. I'm fine. That's amazing. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Okay, so I chose Moon Knight. Um, this is a character that I was not very familiar with at all. Um, I think I read maybe one Moon Knight comic before. Um, I always was intrigued by Moon Knight, but I didn't really uh, feel like connected. So when they made the announcement, I was like, oh, I mean, uh, maybe. And starting with episode one, I was immediately hooked. Uh, I feel like they did such a good job of satisfying serious comic book fans that know this character as well as people that are casual viewers and maybe had absolutely zero idea of what was going on. And um, obviously the acting was brilliant. The action was so great. And I love the lore. And it's just a different side of the MCU that we finally got to get a taste of. So I thought they did a great job. Excellent. Well said, man. Well said. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and reveal our number four picks. And you should get faster in explanations as we start to cross other people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So my number four pick is Moon Knight. Matt's number four pick is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. And Janelle's number four pick is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, I will say my number four was Moon Knight because I felt uh in a phase that introduced so many new characters to us, Moon Knight was the best character story I've seen, the best character drama story at least I've seen. Um, like Janelle said, all the reasons she said, it, it made people care about Moon Knight on a gym level, which uh, is nearly impossible. It was one of the best acting showcases outside of Elizabeth Olsen's WandaVision yeah. that I saw in the MCU from Oscar Isaac, who made you care about different versions of himself immensely and deeply. And just the mythology of the character and the way that they approached him and his unique mind and powers is unlike anything I've seen in superhero stories or really anything outside of like a weird Christopher Nolan movie. So I thought they did a spectacular job, even when some of the production stuff might have, you know, not been the hottest. I thought Moon Knight was a great character study and I enjoyed the finale for what it was. So my best character kind of piece was Moon Knight, and that's why it's my number four. Ah, yeah. Um, so Wakanda Forever uh, is, is number four on mine. Um, I, you know, like I, we kind of talked about last week um, as a, as like a overall movie, and, and as Janelle said, there's a lot going on in this movie, and I feel like sometimes that gets in the way, like, you know, maybe there's a little too much going on. It's just the focus. There's just so much to love about the T'Challa aspect of this and the family and that and obviously that's it's hard even with my issues with like just the movie sometimes you can't help but walk away with like this just sense of i don't know there's just something really you know satisfying and heartbreaking and tragic and also hopeful about the way this movie puts itself together and what they did with what they had to work with and the timing and the stuff with, you know, the more I just thought, wow, taking a character that I could really take or leave in the, <laughs> in the comics, because most times he's, he's very one dimensional to me, to me. Uh, Nicole is somewhere cursing me out right now. <laughs> but uh, to me, he's always just kind of that. I just thought, wow, they brought some really just interesting dynamics to him and his role in the MCU going forward. So for those reasons, uh, this one stuck out to me as my number four. And Jay, Dr. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I know that a lot of people would maybe not even put this movie in their top five, 
but I have to be that voice for the people. Okay. <laughs> like I, I love Dr. Strange. I love Wanda. The cameos were awesome. Like, come on. Everybody was really, really excited to see some of the people that popped up in this film. Although a lot of them died brutal deaths. It was still like really freaking cool to see that. Um, I, I think that Wanda just, we got to know her even more and kind of see her in a different light, which was great. Um, I love Dr. Strange, so I will always put him. My only criticism with this is that obviously I didn't have as much of him. Um, but I also really, really loved getting to see America Chavez. And I was like, wow, she's cool. And I'm getting to know her and it felt great. I also felt like it further explained multiverse, um, interactions and what's actually happening so that's great for me. I loved this film. I thought it was really artistic and crazy cool. It was a little spooky. It was just a ton of characters smack dab in the middle of a movie, which, you know, I always like, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> um, as I was saying earlier, Ooh. I think you have a misconception. If you read the comments, people thought it would be even higher on your list. For mine. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> But I have to get, you'll see. I have to give credit where credit is due. You'll see. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and reveal our number three picks. <laughs> we need the sound effect. <laughs> there we go. Hey, oh, coffee. Okay. Oh. Our first match. Um, so it looks like for pick number three, me and Janelle both have Spider-Man No Way Home while Matt picked Miss Marvel. So uh, Janelle will double team this one. I'll say that I picked Spider-Man No Way Home because, yes, I know, we've all had the discussion of looking back afterwards, criticizing the film that we saw and whether it like worked as an actual movie. But the truth, like I said, is my list is built on looking over Phase 4, which had a lot more significance than just what happened in these stories. It was significant outside of the theater, and outside of the TV screen because of where we were in the world at the time. And I said that because of that, I think Spider-Man was crucially important to getting people back together, to making us care about movies again, to giving us an event that brought literally generations of Marvel movie fans together and made us all happy and made us all cheer, even though the secrets got spoiled and all that, it was still great to see on the screen. And I think I was talking with uh, one of our other show producers, John Mason, before this. I I'm always going to wonder my what if is going to be what if we had not known any of that going into the theater? I always wonder how that would be. But as an event film, I think Spider-Man no, no Way Home was one of the most timely and important Marvel releases we've had. And just for that, what it did as an event alone makes me rank it at number three in my list. So, Janelle... What are your feelings about it? You literally took the words out of my mouth. Uh, I took my dad to go see this for my birth or for his birthday. Um, and it was just our first time back in the theater. It was, it's kind of like a sentimental thing for me. Um, and even though it, it's maybe not like my favorite hero or maybe not my favorite iteration of Spider-Man, you have to admit that like seeing all of your favorite, like every Spider-Man that maybe, you know, you thought of, together was epic. There's, it, there's very few moments in the MCU that are straight up 
epic, like are on the top, top, top of like, oh my God, I can't believe they did this and pulled it off. And seeing the three of them together was one of those moments that is just like insane. So yeah. Matt, go off about Miss Marvel. Go ahead. I mean, I figured most people knew that this was going to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it, was a matter, it was like Dunell. It was just a matter of yes. like, oh, yes. it was going to be on the list. Um, there are, you know, like I said about uh, Elizabeth Olsen, um, you know, bringing such a, a warmth to this character. Iman Vellani just, just like knocked this role of Kamala out of the park. And for me, what the show did was just kind of like, Kofi said about She-Hulk. It it was like a perfect, it was just so lighthearted and they and they did so much to just like embody the family and this just kind of love and hope and that they they embody. I just love what they did with with the culture. And it's just they were so it was so authentic. And it was just so fun. I looked forward to this every week. And you know, the only ever nitpicks I really had were when they kind of tried too hard to kind of connect to the MCU and, oh, here's a thing for, for later and not including the last thing, uh, the last kind of big reveal, which I thought actually that was really interesting, but just the other stuff kind of felt sometimes a little forced, but when the show just did what the show wanted to do and built these characters, it is one of the best things, uh, Marvel. I, I just love it so much and I recommended it to so, so many people. Uh, so yeah, this always just brought a smile to my face and, uh, I will continue to evangelize about this. I had it as my number six. Yeah, for, like it's, yeah. it's yeah, it was, it was up there. All right, let's go to number two picks. Yeah. <laughs> I love oh, the drumming. Another match. Hey, yay us. All right, so me and Janelle are still of sound and equal mind here. We both picked WandaVision. I as love that. While Matt continues his positivity <laughs> train. <laughs> so it was an easy one to explain. Um, I thought WandaVision was just a game changer for TV and for Marvel at the same time for separate reasons. We had never really seen a TV show like this, um, taking away all the superhero elements, just the mystery of the, what reality is this? Yeah. What is going on with the the weekly kind of decade sitcom tropes being brought in to it? It was unlike anything we ever saw. And I said in, you know, Twitter ain't forever, folks, but, you know, internet writing is right now, at least, until mm -hmm. society is it. And you can go look, because I wrote, one of the first things I wrote was when they first announced this was like, this is going to be the show, I think, that is going to be the sleeper that people don't realize is going to be like the hotness of phase four. Because when they started oh, describing yeah. this, I was like, wait, what? Like, this sounds bugged out and I think it could be really good. And it turned out to be really good. And um, yeah, I think you will hear most people speak pretty highly of WandaVision and their phase four rankings, Marvel TV show rankings, all of that. And it's with good reason. And I can boil it down to just two words if you really want to get down to it. And that is Elizabeth. Olsen and you know the work she put into that character like Matt said I mean just transformed Scarlet Witch for me and just made her much more that second to last episode with Wanda going back through her memories with Agatha is one of the best I think Marvel chapters of anything comic movie or TV I've ever seen about just looking at a character and like what built them and what moments and making it all fantastical so yeah, WandaVision in the theories and just, again, the event of bringing us all together for Marvel TV. We had no content at like the beginning of 2021. 
we had to do this show. We know we had no <laughs> content. It was like, look under this hat. There's nothing here. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was just bringing the fandom together, the weekly theories, Ralph Boner, even like it was great. So that's why I picked WandaVision. Janelle? Yeah. Uh, well, she's enchanting. Goodness. Um, we got Agatha, who was like just awesome. The only thing that could have made it better was a Doctor Strange cameo, which we should have gotten, but we didn't. Uh, and this, this was the introduction to what they were going to bring to Disney Plus in t like TV and Marvel TV. And it, it, I don't know, it set the bar so high. It was so unique and so special. Um, if you are, if you ever watched any of the OG, you know, black and white 50s sitcoms and all that, like you just fell in love with it immediately. I know it was very like you were either someone who loved this style and what they were doing in the beginning, or you were like, what the heck? This is not comic books. <laughs> I loved that because it was something different. Whenever I get something completely different, like She-Hulk was my honorable mention because it's just different. And whenever they do that and they, they do it really well. And I, this set the tone for me. This is what got me so excited and like, like reared up and ready to go for TV MCU. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, give us that Hawkeye love, man. I, this oh, is, I uh, love Hawkeye too. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crow like eating on this list of like shows. I was not <laughs> going in. Uh, and there was another one, man. I was just like, Oh, Hawkeye. And for the car, it was, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I, I wish it's not, I was in for Kate Bishop. That was, it. I made it clear. Yeah, like, no, you're very that. specific. Yeah. And then man, this show made me care about Clint and it, and it made that relationship between him and Kate. It's just so perfect it, it's just their their back and forth their banter you know kate such a Haley steinfeld is just such a wonderful casting for that she's ended up be, becoming kate bishop uh the inclusion of yelena belova and florence Pugh. i mean that really for me is kind of what even set the show like to be in this group like it was just i mean the macaroni scene will forever live uh in infamy and in, in mcu history there's just so much fun here and it's also still, I think, my favorite finale of a Marvel show. It's that finale is just everything I wanted from what that show set up. Uh, and then bringing in the Kingpin. I mean, there's so much this show does. And it's Christmas. It's set during like the perfect time of year. I This is a show I will go back and watch. Like over the holidays, I will watch Hawkeye because it is a perfect <laughs> Christmas thing now. And it's now going to have that forever. So well. I did not see this coming. I didn't know. I coming. mean, while you were talking, the comments were all saying you this is the one show that people have been saying in the comments right now that they are re-watching in the most. It's a it's a now uh MCU classic. The agenda. classic, man. The mad agenda continues. All right. Rich, let's roll it. What are our number one picks? Let's finish out this thing. We've had relatively little bloodshed, and that's good. So let's finish this out with our number one picks for the MCU phase four. All different. Whoa. Wow. Wow. <laughs> All right. Kofi Outlaw, I picked Wakanda, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Matt picked Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> and Janelle has picked Loki. Okay, let's go. All right. So um, I'll admit, I don't know if this is recency bias that I'm suffering. But like I said, I picked all my picks on things I thought were very significant for not just phase four of the MCU, but beyond the actual in-universe stuff. Um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I think, is a powerful tribute movie to Chadwick Boseman. I think it is 
one of the trickiest things I've ever seen a major franchise try to pull off. Yeah. And I think that the fact that they even did it halfway to three quarters of the way well is a testament to how hard they worked at this. I think Ryan Coogler, Letitia Wright, Angela Bassett, Lapita Nyong'o, and even in his own kind of comedic relief way, Winston Duke put more onto the screen and into the performances of this film than we may ever see them do again. And Ryan Coogler, some of the shots in this are so amazing and just so well made. And I think, I think that's what made it stand out for me beyond the tragedy, beyond the sentimentalism was this was one of the most lovingly and you know, painstakingly crafted MCU projects in a, in a phase where admittedly in fairly because of the pandemic and real world factors, some of the visual and effects weren't so spectacular at times, but um, Wakanda forever looks beautiful. Uh, I love the stuff with Talo Khan and Namor and that mythology. I'd love what it's done with vibranium and kicking open some exciting possibilities. Riri Williams in just in terms of action and delivering, um, I didn't love the third act, but I did love like the last, you know, the one-on-one final battle. I loved, you know, many of the major sequences in the bridge sequence in this, in the middle of this film is amazing. Deny Guerrera and just uh, everybody did stuff. And it was just an amazing, amazing film. And I think in terms of just like power, deeper resonance, deeper power stuff beyond fantasy and dealing with what phase four really is all about and encapsulating the mess of the pandemic, the setbacks, the losses, and all of the grief and just massive emotion we were all dealing with. I think this film will be a testament to that over time when we look back. And so I'm just trying to look ahead and think back. But again, could all be my delusional recency bias, so who knows? We'll see in time. But uh, that's why I picked Wakanda Forever, and I'm going to stand on that. Matt, why did you pick Spider-Man No Way Home? Uh, because this was, I've always, I, I like the Tom Holland movies. Um, I've, I've enjoyed them for, you know, kind of what they are, but I've never like, that's like, it, it's never just completely clicked for me. Um, you know, Far From Home was, was fine. It was good. Homecoming was good. I, I will rewatch them if they're on, but they just, I don't know. There was just something kind of missing. And this movie, not only brought to me the kind of necessary like weight and um there was just something there was there was something like substance that was just there in this movie for tom holland spider-man and the growth he has and the things he has to overcome it was like it felt like earned like he would now he wasn't just the kind of happy-go-lucky version of spider-man and the one who didn't feel like he was always kind of getting outshined by these other MCU heroes. It felt like even though this one, he's with other Spider-Man, it still felt like his Spider-Man movie. It's, it felt like he was now Spider-Man. So from this point forward, I'm like, I'm excited to see his version of Spider-Man, what he does going forward. And then not only that, they brought so much like uh, just love and attention to the other franchises. And as someone who has defended the amazing Spider-Man on this show numerous times, I love that movie. And that's still to me, the most Spider-Man movie of like when he's actually Spider-Man and in the costume, it's just tonally and stuff. I just love that movie. And Andrew Garfield got real justice here. Like he, he really had that arc completed the moment he catches MJ, all that stuff, just full circle. And, uh, and then even like the stuff between Otto and, you know, um, Tobey Maguire's 
Spidey, like all that stuff. It was just so wonderfully done. So I just, this was a love letter to Spider-Man fans in the best way, not just throwing a bunch of fan service on the screen, but actually making it mean something. And I thought they did a spectacular, spectacular job. Hey, spectacular Spider-Man. I did that. <laughs> I didn't do that, but I did it. So there you go. <laughs> I now, love that. That was why you picked Loki. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I've been very spoiled in phase four because a lot of my favorite peeps have gotten featured. So Loki, I liked Loki before Loki was cool. Um, I was into like Winter Soldier before anyone really like was like, oh my God, Winter Soldier. Anyways, I've, I've always been really lucky. So when they made the announcement that Loki is getting his own show, when I thought he was gone forever, I lost my mind. I was just <laughs> so excited. Um, I did not have high expectations because I really had no idea what they were going to do with Loki. Like, how the heck are they going to bring him back? How's, how are they going to make any of this make sense? I don't know. Like, these kooky MCU peeps, Kevin Feige, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to see what happens. I was so pleasantly surprised by this show. Um, number one, it pretty much opened up the multiverse. Like, this is how I have come to understand what is going on in this world. It also really hit hard on certain things. For example, the infinity stones, like seeing how kind of like worthless, like, oh, they're like nothing. This huge, the whole phase three was like, oh my God, this infinity gauntlet. And now in this, we just kind of understand like, oh yeah, they're all over the place, like whatever. Um, there's just been, there were so many aha moments for me. Um, and Sylvie kind of stole my heart. And Gator Loki, like it, there was just oh, there were just so many things that like when you really think about it, or if you go back and watch again, you're gonna be like, oh my god, right? I forgot how much I loved that. Oh my gosh, that was so cool! Like that was such an, a moment. Um, and I just felt like week after week, we just kept getting really like mind blowing things. Even like you said, Matt earlier, in just like a dialogue heavy episode, it was still like one of the best. So, um, yeah, to me, this opened up a whole new world of multiverse and all that fun stuff. And so that is why it is extremely important to me. Also, I'm obsessed with Loki. <laughs> <laughs> Janelle was on, like, Janelle loved Loki from the beginning. That is very true. I was Thank very you. I liked yeah. Loki before Loki was cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So there, those are our top five MCU phase four project rankings. Uh, we're going to go around real quick so we can cut a video for this, but, uh, and say just a real, real, real quick recap of our picks. Me, Kofi Outlaw, I picked as my number one is Black Panther Wakanda Forever for the power and just the quality of the movie. WandaVision was my number two because I thought it was a game changing TV show and Elizabeth Olsen rocks. Spider Man No Way Home was my number three because of phase four and the big events they put forth. And, you know, after Endgame, we need big events in Marvel. That was the biggest event. And like Matt also said wonderfully, it was also a great Spider-Man story in a weird kind of way. Um, Moon Knight was my favorite character introduction of the MCU with a powerful performance from Oscar Isaac. And She-Hulk was my number five because it was just the most fun Marvel sitcom weekly TV show experience that I had. So that was me. Matt, please run us down. Uh, yeah, number one was uh, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, because just the it really was, I feel like the best way to say it is a love letter to the Spider-Man movies and the franchise uh, without making it feel like generic fan service. It really felt like all of the characters move forward. And when you leave a movie where people want to see new movies for all three Spider-Man, I think that's a win. Uh, number two is Hawkeye. 
I was I was not excited for this coming in, and wow, did it just blow my mind and and did so much for not only that character but also uh, just the general street kind of level of the MCU. Uh, Yelena Belova has become like one of my favorite characters between this and Black Widow has become one of my favorite characters. Kate Bishop is so promising moving forward of the MCU and a lot of that has to do with Hawkeye for me. Miss Marvel, again, the same way this new wave of MCU characters coming in. But this one is my number three. It probably, you know, it could be higher at some point down the line. Who knows? But for me, it just did so much for that character. Got across why this character is beloved in the comics. Did so much about bringing her family, the culture. It felt authentic. Uh, did such a wonderful job there. Wakanda Forever, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is my number four. Uh, it did so much just for bringing this whole other side of the MCU in the fact that, you know, 80% was 80% of the world <laughs> is, is oceans um, and bringing the more in and making to me what stood out was making him a not a villain, but making him an antagonist and making him layered. And I think that that bodes well for the future and what they absolutely did with the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And, and that mantle moving forward, I thought was superbly well done. Uh, and then number five is Loki. Uh, again, this, this really, someone mentioned it in the comics, this one did so much for the multiverse before, you know, multiverse of madness really kind of opened things up even further. Uh, but taking a character that I was ready to say goodbye to and going, no, 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 I want to see more of them, I think is the best way to, to end that. So that's my list. And Janelle. Yeah, here we go. All right. My number one is Loki because as been previously said, it opened up the door for the multiverse and introduced this whole different side that we have not seen in MCU shows. It felt like a movie every week. My number two was WandaVision because Scarlet Witch is a vision. She's amazing. She's so enchanting in this. We see such a vulnerable and lovely side of her and get to explore this character that we only kind of got tastes of. Uh, my number three is Spider-Man No Way Home. Specifically because they brought three different Spider-Men together. That is an epic moment, a moment that is going to go down in history in the MCU. My number four, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, because Doctor Strange is the best superhero in the MCU. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, Multiverse of Madness definitely introduced a different side of Wanda. And uh, that is really good to see as well, because clearly she's becoming like a front runner in the MCU. And they're really like honing in on her specifically. Also loved seeing America Chavez and uh, and honestly, just the big, huge multiverse of it all. Number five is Moon Knight for me because this is a character that I wasn't very familiar with. I think casual viewers really got a sense of who he was and how awesome he is. And I think it also served comic book lovers and longtime fans of this character very well. All right. Ooh. Those are our MCU Phase 5, our MCU Phase 4 Top 5 rankings. Uh, we'll put the graphic up on Twitter after this, and you guys can... Uh, Come at us and let us know what you thought about our picks and about your own list. We'd be happy to hear from you at Comic Book Nation or individually. So please uh, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you thought of our yeah. rankings. Okay, we are going to take a quick break <laughs> and cut this off. That's so fun. Uh, differently, this now, uh, this will probably be the end if you're watching us on Paramount+. Plus. If you want to see the full show at any time, please go to Comic Book Nation YouTube or download the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms, and you can hear the full show because I think we're cutting things down on Paramount Plus 
to make it a uh, little smaller snippets of less of us going off the rails. But uh, <laughs> if you want to see all that, stick around for the after party. When we come back for break, where we're going to be doing a, some quick now TV yeah, recap yes, and comic recap and wrestling preview. So uh, let's do that. Comic Book Nation, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the only show that does it for geek, that does it all for geek culture. Does it? Yeah, that just sounded like we're geek prostituting culture. ourselves out. But uh, we do it all for geek culture. Um, we do not do it for geek culture. We are not paid for that. Uh, <laughs> we're back. This is the after party. You can already tell the value, the production values are going down. Uh, this is the after party, Comic Book Nation. Uh, and uh, right now we're gonna jump over from toe in our face, our MCU face, for rankings to talking a little wrestling with our most regular guest yeah. of all connor casey is back with us and he and matt have got to talk about a special event that is going down in wrestling this weekend fellas please take it away yeah. before we do anything can i just say the disrespect that you three showed oh no to not have werewolf by night somewhere oh, on that oh. list I, yeah, I said in the comments not to rank it i did oh, because uh, i yeah, didn't so i I, no, I had it at number eight okay so i i had that as my number five and that is what I was talking about when I was like, I might, I just saw that. Maybe that's sticking in my brain. And like, then it was Moon Knight at number five. And then I was like, honest with myself and went, okay, which of these? Uh, and then I put Loki in there because actually that's the one looking back. But Werewolf by Night was absolutely in the running. It was, it's fantastic. So okay, yeah. you are forgiven. The other two. <laughs> <laughs> no, got beat. no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I love where it's okay. I didn't like it that much. <laughs> I loved it, but I think it was just too, it wasn't enough to outweigh some of the other stuff we got. Yeah. I'll, I'll take an hour of something good over eight hours of something that's meh. <laughs> We're going to get you and Brandon Davis to sit in and you guys can watch all the Marvel also, special presentation. That's also true of uh, most wrestling pay-per-views. I will take okay. an hour. <laughs> Look at that segue, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AEW Full Gear is this Saturday. Uh, and so as most AEW shows are, they're going to probably compact. It's going to be loaded with a bunch of big matches, some very anticipated matchups. Uh, but Connor, there's a lot going on here because a lot going on in the AEW world. Uh, you know, what can you uh, tell us about? what's happening here and what it needs to do to put AEW on a good path moving forward. So I, I will say this. Um, I, I will be the first to admit that AEW has kind of been in a funk for a good portion of 2020. A lot of that isn't their fault. The injury bug bit the absolute hell out of that roster and it, and it greatly affected uh, a chunk of their pay-per-view plans. Now, some of that is their fault. The the CM Punk debacle, the uh, elite suspension, the backstage fight between Andrade and Sammy Guevara, you know, however much of a fight that really was, what have you. Uh, it, it's it's held this kind of dark cloud over over the company these past few months. And I hate to give this guy the credit for it, but MJF said it best when he said there's there's a crowd of some there's a black cloud of some BS that's been hanging over us and it needs the right leadership to break it out of it. And I think that starts on Saturday and it starts with 
uh, stepping forward with a new chapter, and that involves MJF winning the AEW World Championship. I cannot think of anybody uh, within AEW that has the kind of momentum that he does right now. And John Moxley, God love him. This man was due for a vacation about two months ago and has held everything together instead. But that man looks tired. He, he yeah. was tired in the go home promo for this where he forgot what day it was on. I know, but it's a great promo. He's a great promo, but he's like, is it Sunday? And he's like, and he's like, dude, it's Saturday. He's like, Saturday, right, 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 right. Let the man go off with Renee, have a lovely vacation, and yeah. let Max have his shot with the ball. We we've hyped this kid up so much. I say he's a kid because he's like 25. Yeah. We, we've hyped this guy up so much since day one essentially. And it, it's time to finally see if, if it all, if he can back it all up because the big criticism people have had behind him is that the man wrestles maybe six matches a year on TV. Yeah. And the, it begs the question of, well, if this guy's the champion, can he wrestle on a consistent basis? And can he keep the crowd as drawn in as he does with his promos great as they are? How do you feel about that? one? No, I, I agree with you. I think this is a necessary I, I've never been like the biggest Moxley guy, but I have to give, um, and even as like Ambrose in WWE, like I've never been like, it's just like, you know, um, his style and stuff just has never really resonated with me. However, I have you to give like the James Dean hip swivel thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't do it. However, I have to give him immense credit because stepping in after just complete chaos broke out and really just, he has been that grounding presence you know your champion is going to be on TV. You know he's going to be defending the title. I actually wish he would wrestle less. Like, you know, I was actually, I was one of the ones happy that, like, he can't do a bunch of independent dates. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you're fighting everywhere and, like, mangling yourself. Stop it. So, like, I, I got to give him immense credit. He's done an, uh, an amazing job. But, yes, it's time for MGF to take it. And, and you know, it's, it's really time for, like, them to kind of close the book on this chapter. Um, you know, even so much as like, I'm curious to see what happens with the elite as well, because, you know, they were part of all that chaos. So I do hope that once this event is over, we really can kind of move to a new page across the board. I'm, I'm ready for like a new breath of life in there. I agree. And I think on top of Max winning, I think you need two other things to happen. One, you need the elite to win back the trios titles. Uh, you've got them in there with that triangle. Any combination of those six guys has always been fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, I, our match of the year was a tag team match involving four of these men a year ago in a seal cage. So I have every bit of confidence that those six will put on a great match and the elite will basically be able to move on and say, OK, those last three months, forget about it. We're moving on. And last but not least, there's a lot of matches on this show. Try and get this in at about three hours. Find a way for this to at least not feel like a drag. If this does hit three and a half hours, find a way to pace this show out to where the fans aren't drained by the time we get to the main event. Because that's been the big complaint of the last few pay-per-views. Now, people have made the arguments... Spread it out into two nights. Have some of the pay-per-view worthy matches on the Dynamite and the Rampage beforehand if you're going to have them all in the same location. But yeah. Tony's sticking to his guns, unfortunately. He wants these four quarterly shows to be as big as they possibly can, and they mean that with as many matches as possible. So if it's paced out well and we're not all sitting there at the end of the night going, God, I'm tired, 
it could be the right it could be the step in the right direction. And then what you have to do on TV after that fact is Max has to prove that he can back up everything he says. And you got to start pushing some of the guys that people are looking around on Twitter going, hey, where's Miro? Where's FTR? They got all these titles, but we barely see them on Dynamite. You want to talk about, hey, the Ring of Honor stuff is kind of crowded everything. It feels like we need to relieve the pressure from that. That clearly isn't getting fixed until next year. So for now, fix what is fixable. Yeah. And it starts Saturday. I I agree. And I also think, um, you know, I think, too, the other thing I would add to the I, I want kind of a clean slate moving forward. Um, you know, we've talked about it before. I'm not a fan of these interim championships. I think they dilute the I mean, even all the back and forth before with CM Punk and Moxley and all that. Just, man, it's so confusing. It leads to just like it leads to people who should be ch- who should feel like champions, not feeling like champions because you have this asterisk mm-hmm. and with the Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm thing. Tony Storm has been carrying this ball and she should be AEW women's champion. And for the fact that I know Rose is hurt, but like you got to address it here. I need something moving in that like, hey, either she returns, either you provide an update or, hey, we're going to just move forward. And then when she's ready and can do it, I have no problem with that. I want that match. But you have a built in story. You don't have to kind of to me, you're, you're kind of hurting both. Mm-hmm. You're creating drama amongst the title scene that's not money-making drama to me because now Tony Storm's gone on interviews and you have Rosa chirping back from stuff and that doesn't seem good and then also Storm's title reign is getting hurt because it people are like well it doesn't feel like a real title reign it just sucks all around so I really want them to be some clarity of that so I get why Tony does it He, he is trying to go for the real sports feel of it where if you follow MMA if in any event a champion can't defend his title, typically they'll crown an interim champion and then it sets up the visual of two guys, both with belts and the winner gets to hold both at the end. It worked with Punk and Moxley. It, it even kind of worked to a degree with the Sammy Guevara, Cody Rhodes thing. Cody got the send off. Sammy got the both belts and everything after the fact fell apart for Sammy. But that ladder match was fantastic. This one, I feel like, Tony needs to set the precedent for this can't just be a case by case basis. If your champion is going to be off television for at least three months, you got to move forward. Yeah, you can't you can't have the interim moniker hanging over her the whole time. You can have here's what you can do. You can just have Tony be called the AEW Women's World Champion and have Rosa show up with the other belts and just say, hey. I still have this, you never beat me, and then have that visual. At least then you didn't that? detract from Tony. He right. wants it to, he wants it to, this is I one of the few times where they want to go with the sports presentation. But here's the problem that the pitfall he's running into, and UFC fans know what I'm talking about. You'll wind up with like five interim champions at once. <laughs> yes. And everyone hates it. Right. So he, he's got he's got to set something in stone where I get if a guy is only out for a month, you want to Absolutely. Off and build something else. I, I think I feel like we're talking in circles because we're agreeing with the same thing. He's got to establish some hard and fast rule here of like, okay, we got to, we can keep this, but we can't have this indefinitely. Because okay. I'm not waiting till February for right. to finally show back up. You know, so yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So, all right. So, that's uh, anything else you want to add on about uh, full gear here before we head up? A couple things. Uh, Liam Crowley, our very own, will be live in attendance in Newark, New Jersey, covering the show. 
Uh, I've got interviews with, I got an interview with the Lucha Bros, uh, Ray Phoenix Ooh. and Pentel Zero Miedo. That'll be going up tomorrow, tying in with their uh, their new ex- exclusive sneaker release. We have an interview with Jungle Boy that's gone up this week. And, uh, oh, did I forget to mention, follow us on TikTok, TikTok at Comic Book Wrestling. If you do, good things will happen. <laughs> Very nice. Well, thank you, sir. And, uh, of course, you can check out all of our coverage on the event right here at comicbook.com. Thanks, buddy. All Thanks. right. Connor. Okay. Well, I mean, we've used up a lot of time, so we're going to move really fast yeah. to these next parts. So really quick TV recap that we promised you and or episode 11 show is still awesome. I've written about how awesome it is. I've written about how you should be watching it. You can watch this in blocks. There are four arcs to this show. I have seen it all now. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I'm going to say, <laughs> it. but I've seen it all now. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's all good, bro. But uh, yeah, you can watch this in blocks. We have an article up teaching you how to how to watch it because it, it surprisingly is even people who know about the show don't understand this. Andor is actually like four different stories in this one season, and you can watch each piece of them. But you should. This last episode was awesome. Still loving it. You guys still loving it? Yeah, man. Andor's great. Janelle, what do you think? I think this show has so much heart. Like with what happens back home for him, because I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, it it definitely hits yeah. hits. My thing, oh, my thing went off. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're at battery. Yeah, yay! Love a dead battery. You got to love it. Now um, it's time. To everything you want to say about Matt? Go. <laughs> yes, Matt's agenda. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. So it was. Yeah, it just had so much heart. I think it's really good. It's a nice departure from other star Wars projects. And, uh, it actually kind of, because I like the show so much, it's making me care more about the comics. Cause we read a star Wars comic, uh, this week. So yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. But yeah. And or still awesome. Uh, you can fight us if you want, or you could jump in and join us. Cause it's all <laughs> um, Titans this week, Matt, uh, also another good episode of Titans still loving this season and uh, very much look love seeing Jinx as part like fully embedded in the team. She's amazing. Uh, yeah. There's a line that Corey says, like how would we ever gone on without her and all of that, um, which is spectacular. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. I know, man. I, I, she's such a wonderful addition to this show. Uh, and I just can't, I'm very excited. Now I have seen some of the other, I've seen the, the kind of first half of chapter uh, chapter this kind of first chapter of episodes. Uh, so I'm very excited for, for people to see where things go from here. Janelle, you loving Titans. We know you're an HBO max fan. Yeah. I, I mean, it's okay. It's not like, um, I don't know. It's not hitting me as hard as some of the other seasons. I don't know if it's because this is my first time watching it week to week, uh, because I did binge it prior to this season, but I, you know, it's okay. I look more forward to Andor every week and I'm not yeah. trying to make competition, but so do I. So that's okay. Yeah. But, uh, we'll <laughs> now and we'll be following along as uh, Andor comes to its finale next week. There are 12 episodes, not 10. So the finale is coming up and we'll be able to talk about that as a whole. And uh, Titans is, is just still kind of getting through the early arc of its season. But um, let's move on to comics because uh, as Matt, as Janelle said, there is a good tie in here. We also read Star Wars comics this week. Oh, yeah. You want to take the Star yeah, Wars Yeah, we'll one? start that. We'll, we'll start there and knock that out. So we read this week Star Wars Hidden Empire which is the beginning of the last part of the Kira trilogy that has been kind of retconned into Star Wars comics. Kira was the character from Solo, a Star Wars story. She was Han Solo's childhood love who helped him pull the uh, Kessel Run job. 
and she took over Crimson Dawn. And in the comics, they retconned it that between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, she resurfaced after Darth Maul's death. And with her version of Crimson Dawn, with the mission to kill the Emperor and end the Sith threat to the universe. So we read first two parts of this, War of the Bounty Hunters and Crimson Reign. This was the beginning of uh, Hidden Empire, which is where Darth Sidious and Darth Vader finally realize that Kira has been messing with them and Crimson Dawn is out there and that she knows stuff that Darth Maul told her, which makes her a threat to Palpatine. And this first issue was straight up just Kira and the Emperor having a face-off. They're on two different ships, but they're having this kind of verbal face-off while the chess pieces are moving around them as Crimson Dawn is trying to escape, you know, getting slaughtered by the Empire. The Empire is trying to kill it. And Kira has some master plan, or so she says, to kind of uh, finish us all. Um, I've loved this kind of crossover. I've, I really liked War of the Bounty Hunters, um, but I think it's been diminishing returns, if I'm being absolutely really? honest. Yeah. Because I feel I'm worried now, and I loved this first. I thought Crimson Rain was just okay. I loved. I thought War of the Bounty Hunters was found was fantastic. Yeah, it was really good. But um, I'm worried that this is just going to be an easy wrap up chapter, which kills Kira off and ends Crimson yeah. Dawn, and then just says, "Okay, now we're at Return of the Jedi, and everything's cleaned up, and you don't have to ask us about Kira anymore." Um, and I'm kind of worried about that because I've really loved her character, and I really hope there was some bigger things, and maybe we got Amelia Clark back and all that. But um, it just feels like this is going to be a wrap up to kind of tie up loose ends of history and, like I said, kill her off and just in the end, yeah, she'll have I an do epic. Get those vibes. Yeah, she's going to have an epic story, but she's ultimately going to get killed off, and then it'll be like, well, that history settled. No more Kira <laughs> talk. Yeah, yeah never <laughs> back. But um, it was an enjoyable first chapter, and seeing somebody stand up to the emperor was was cool. That scene between them, where she's like heard back and forth, Palpatine is fantastic. That yeah. is a great. That is a great sequence. Uh, Janelle, what do you think? Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on that if you don't have a bunch of context, you're going to kind of get, you're going to be like, well, this is a lot to take in, but it's still, um, exciting. And I still found myself like, okay, I have to know what's happening. Like what's, co what's coming next. Like, so I would say I was a little lost at times, but not to the detriment of me, like not finishing the book. Like I was like, I'll read this. Like, I still want to know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, absolutely. So um, I, I kind of agree with you. I do. I really enjoyed this issue as an issue and like seeing this part of the kind of battle move forward. And it's nice to see Palpatine get, you know, it's nice to see City. It's screwed over just a little bit. And it's nice to see them on their heels. However, I do get this impression. I hope that's not the case, but I do get the vibe that like, oh, OK, well, we're going <laughs> to say goodbye to you at the end of this and I'll be bummed because I don't know, it'll feel a little underwhelming at that point. If that's where we go. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Vampire Blade, Vampire Nation, number one uh, from Marvel. Now, this spins out if you've been keeping up with Jason Aaron's <laughs> Avengers run. Uh, he's, you know, been planting some seeds and doing some story stuff over there with Blade and Blade became the sheriff of the new Vampire Nation. So this is, though, in, in, in a lot of ways, this isn't really a Blade book. It's no. a Blade book in like, it's a Marvel special presentation. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I, I thought it was really intriguing and mm -hmm. I really liked what this did. But, you know, Blade doesn't really actually factor in until about middle or kind of even middle to towards the end of the book. But I just like all the world building. I thought yeah. seeing the political things and the council and, and how this city is run and seeing how humans factor in and assassination plots are in play. There's some really fun stuff in here. 
um, that I really actually recommend. I would recommend this to, to just about anybody. I'm bummed this is not the number one of a new series. Yeah, that's. I didn't know it was a special until the end. And ah. it was like, oh, the end. And I was like, say what now? <laughs> I, like, I saw the number one and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to be the new Blade title. And I hadn't heard about it or done research. <laughs> so when I got to the end, I was just like, wait, what? Because, yeah, it was interesting. And this was a great premise. Like, Blade is the sheriff of a vampire society is really interesting. And I loved kind of taking him out of his usual killer, yeah. like spinning, spouting and making him a detective story, which is what this was just with vampires. And yeah. it was very interesting that way. So, yeah, I was kind of bummed. It was just a one off too. And, and Brian would brought up a good point that this did happen. Like this, this revelation of blade and doing all this was a long time coming. I mean, this was made for a, a while back in the Avengers book. So it is odd that it's just hitting now. Janelle, what did you think? I love this. I love vampires. I am so just intrigued by the whole thing. I am all about it. I want to read all of it. Uh, it looked, yeah, it looked really great. Got another white haired uh, character to love in Dracula. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there was just a lot going on in a good way. And uh, I, yeah, this is great. I mean, I would recommend anybody to read this. I wish that I feel like this would have been great to like release around Halloween. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Or, you know, just six months ago. I don't know. <laughs> but also it's, I agree with COVID. I was, I was bummed because I thought, oh, this is awesome. I didn't realize it was one shot either. And then, at, you know, towards the end, when it starts wrapping up, I went, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So this is pretty much like a, a one and done. And then I was at least hoping that like, oh, hey, in the recommendations, Marvel always does one. Like, here's where you can find this character next. And it's like all out Avengers. And that book is really not focused on it's It's very much like an action, whatever's happening in the moment style book. So it's not one of like that you're going to really see this side of him pursued so i'm just like well where's that and bloodline is coming yeah that series but that's gonna focus on his daughter and again there's a lot i was like yeah. oh, missed opportunity there was and, and uh, to be honest i was wondering if this was like part of a general media plan for what would have been like a blade movie we knew was yeah. in production and this would have been helping to kind of just boost the character's visibility again as marvel does and they were just like well we gotta do something with this like yeah and, right. and there's just so much going on with the movie, even taking the movie out of it. They've done some really interesting things with Blade in the last couple of team books he's been in. Bloodline's coming. Just do it anyway. Like, it feels like it's a good time anyway to do it. And then maybe whenever the movie gets off the ground and yeah. can get its stuff together, you've set a nice foundation over the past year of like, oh, hey, we've been keeping up with that character. We've been pushing him a little bit. So yeah, I just hope we get more because this was cool. But that's comments. All right. We're going to get out of here. But uh, before we go, my quick mentions are just to uh, shout out to the horror genre right now, which has some fun things going on. Uh, Smiley, the French avant-garde film that caught many's attention is now out on home viewing. I'm just kidding. It's Smile, the horror movie. I smile. really thought it was a different thing. <laughs> uh, the horror movie is <laughs> now on home viewing. Um, Barbarian is getting crazy buzz. It just keeps building. People on the street are asking me, have I seen this movie, Barbarian? I was the first person to see it. I tried to tell you all, but nobody listened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Barbarian is now out on home video and getting major buzz. You see Barbarian before anybody says anything to you about it. And um, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of oh, Curiosities yes. on uh, Netflix. I mean, if you're looking for that Tales of the Crypt vibe that's been missing from your life lately, I mean, Black Mirror is nice, but it's sci-fi. But for horror anthologies, Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro and a bunch of talented directors are killing it with that anthology series. So check that out. All right, that'll do it. This is Comic Book Nation. 
If you are just getting into the show, we stream on Paramount Plus regularly. But uh, if you want the full show, you can always catch us on our YouTube page. Go there and subscribe, please. And go on to our Twitter page, at Comic Book Nation, for as long as Twitter lasts. And give us a follow right before the end. It should be fun. We have a lot of doomsday posts uh, going up right now. So other than that, you can contact us for now on Twitter. At, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And you can find me at Janelle Wheeler. And who knows where we might be tomorrow. Mastodon, we don't know. But uh, this is Book Nation, the only show that does it all for geek culture. Thanks for tuning in with us, and we'll see you guys later. Peace.